Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Paul's Podcast. I'm Mr. Paul, joining you as always here. A great episode we've got for you today with none other than the Italian stallion himself, Mr. Johnny Palazzio. He is just a legend in our industry, 14, 15 plus years experience in the industry. He has done it all. He has held championships. He has been on television, even in uh, Madame and Eve. Did you know? Did you know Johnny Palazzio was an actor? Well, he'll talk all about that and what he sees in the future of SA Wrestling. Who guys uh, are that you should be looking out for at the moment uh, inside AWA and outside of the AWA? And just a lot more. He's just got a great mind for the business. He really is a wrestler's wrestler, um, if, if everybody understands what I'm talking about there. And we also talk about something that I never thought I'd have the opportunity to talk about on this podcast, Archangel. Um, he, I, I was just a super, 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 super huge fan of him uh, growing up. He was the ultimate baby face. He had the tassels on the boots and he'd always be beaten up on or as we call in the business, got the heat on him. And then he'd make this big comeback, and man, he was just the ultimate. So, yeah, to get the opportunity to hear some stories about Archangel, that was pretty cool as well. I'd love to get an interview with Archangel. If anybody has any details, please uh, let me know. I'd love to speak to him. Just, yeah, it's the kid in me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a new episode of the podcast this week. And, um, obviously, we're still uh, in a current lockdown situation. So, I'm hopefully being able to... To lighten up it a bit for you guys, uh, bring out this podcast uh, for the wrestling fans. Uh, and it's not just going to be wrestling on here. I've been speaking to people as well in the entertainment industry, got an artist or two um, that we're going to get on the podcast. So, yeah, I'm super excited about um, the future of the podcast. And I want to thank all of you for your support over the past couple of weeks uh, with the resurgence of the podcast. Uh, so let's get into what's on my mind this week. Um, WWE continues to build towards the Money in the Bank pay-per-view coming up uh, in just a few weeks. Of course, um, most of it will be taking place from the Performance Center, with the exception of uh, like the Money in the Bank uh, ladder matches, which will obviously be a pre-taped uh, thing uh, taking place at the corporate headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. Um, of course, we've seen photos online of the uh, construction being done uh, in terms of that. Obviously, it's going to be more of a cinematic effect, uh, similar to the Boneyard match and the Bray Wyatt John Cena Firefly Fun uh, Firefly I can't say it Firefly Funhouse man a tongue twister there uh, match that took place at WrestleMania and of course the Johnny Gargano and uh, Tommaso Ciampa matchup from uh, uh, NXT as well and that's obviously where a lot of things are going towards we're obviously going to see the Matt Hardy deletion uh, over on the AEW side of things as well. So, yeah, that's kind of where wrestling is going towards uh, in this time where we don't have crowds there. We need to be improvising. We need to be creative on the product that we put out there. And, um, yeah, I'm going to look forward to seeing what they do there. If they do it right, it could be a a great success. Um, And if they do it wrong, obviously, it's going to be a a big issue. Uh, So we'll see what, what WWE does there. Uh, mentioned over on the AEW side of things, uh, we're going to see that deletion match with Matt Hardy. We saw, of course, the empty arena match between Jake Hager and John Moxley recently. Uh, that was pretty cool uh, to see that match as well. So, yeah, a lot of things going down, of course, on AEW. The uh, TNT Championship Tournament also continuing. More wins uh, taking place there. Really becoming a huge Sammy Guevara fan. 
Um, if you don't follow Sammy on the social media, check out his vlog uh, on YouTube and so forth. He's a great um, guy f in terms of his uh, his love for the business and, and, and obviously trying to put out content out there for the fans, just like what I'm trying to do with the podcast. So a big fan of Sammy. Um, yeah, and, and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho on his uh, side of things has been a, a great commentator. Um, I'm always very critical on commentators because that's what I do. And um, I like to keep the level of, of that um, quite high. And, and Chris has been really great on the commentaries. He's funny and, and great. And, and Chris has always been a great talker. So love what Chris is doing on commentating each and every week on AEW. But obviously, I miss having JR there. JR is the reason I do what I do. He's been my role model, my influence um, throughout my career. So I miss Jim on the on the, the uh, commentating there. But obviously, he's uh, not yesterday's child anymore. And um, it's for his own safety. You know, we don't want to risk uh, losing one of the greatest of all time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really think Jim obviously also understands it. Him being out in Oklahoma and, and they're not taping anywhere near there. So it's a lot of travel and a lot of risk for Jim to go out there. Um, but what Jim has been doing has been the Grilling JR podcast. Uh, I really encourage you guys to check that out as well with uh, Conrad Thompson as well. Um, they talk about all things that happened this week. Of course, they were talking about John Cena. If you have time or if you're bored, give that a listen. A great uh, insight from Jim there. And also, JR's got his book out, his brand new book, part of his autobiography series, his second book. Um, I had the opportunity to listen to that, um, the audiobook. Um, and man, I just recommend anybody who's a fan of wrestling, and especially wants to know the behind the scenes things really give that book a listen it's great talks about the behind the scenes things with stone cold steve austin the rock and, and uh, vince mcmahon and things like that so if you if you're into the behind the scenes things in the world of professional wrestling please go out and either get jim ross's autobiography a hard copy uh, but i think this time it might be the audiobook might be easier i think at this stage uh, you can get it on audible uh yeah great book but yeah, that's uh, sort of what's on my mind at the moment. Obviously, wrestling in a, a unique state at the moment. Uh, so there's not a lot of things going on. Um, yeah, but obviously, as this uh, circumstances uh, sort of uh, become easing, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to have more uh, in-depth analysis on the world of professional wrestling. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to waste any more of your time talking about these things because we got a heck of an interview coming up for you with the Italian Stallion. The man himself, Johnny Palazzo. Well, ladies and gentlemen, joining me right now on the podcast... The Italian Stallion, Johnny Palazzo. Johnny, thank you so much for taking time to uh, join us here on the podcast. Uh, so much that we can talk about here today in your, um, I don't know, you're so humble. When, when I, if I've called you a legend before and you, and you sort of don't want to accept that. Uh, have you gotten to a point right now where you can accept that yet? Um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know if I'll ever accept it because there's been so many real legends before me, guys like uh, Sean Kuhn and, you know, like the Fanavestasins and Stephen Debers and, you know, guys that laid the foundation for, for the youngsters like myself. So, you know, to, to, to call myself a legend, I feel that I'm taking something away from those guys and that's something I definitely don't want to do. 
But um, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm easygoing. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things uh, either way. <laughs> <laughs> Not all good, I'm assuming, either. <laughs> well, I used to be a heel, so, you know, it uh, comes with the territory. <laughs> Absolutely. Johnny, again, thanks so much for for doing this. Uh, really, um, as I said um, before, when when I started this thing, there was about three guys that was on the top of the list um, of guys I wanted to do, and, and you and Anunzi uh, were the top two there, so this is awesome for me. Talk to me about your, your start in the professional wrestling business um, growing up. Uh, were you a fan of the business at all, and, and how did that sort of translate for you into to be, uh, becoming part of the uh, entertainment or the sports entertainment, wrestling, whatever you want to call it, uh, industry? Well, well, firstly, I'd never for one second imagined that I'd be a part of it. Um, and, yeah, growing up, uh, I was a major fan of, of, of the wrestling, the WWF. You know, um, we weren't uh, lucky enough to have, like, WCW, TNA, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was mainly... There was many WWF that, that we, we, we watched when, when I was growing up. Um, you know, guys like Bret Hart and, you know, The Undertaker and, you know, they had that mystique about them. And I think that's what drew me to, to, to enjoy it as much as I did growing up. Um, but yeah, I never for one second imagined that I'd be doing it. <laughs> so, so talk to me about, about, um, how you get involved in the world of professional wrestling. How do you, um, how do you sort of get in there and, and what's your first experience like? Oh. Well, I'll take you back to when I was about, I think, 22, 23, around about there. I was working in a, in a DVD shop, and the biggest human being I'd ever seen walks into the shop, and he's sporting a, a, a golden mullet. And you know, he's the biggest guy you've ever laid eyes on, and he's yet the most humble, most gentle person you know you could possibly come across. And we start talking, and, you know, he says to me, come watch the wrestling. So I'm like, well, I'm not really into, like, the, the, the Roman Greco Olympic-style wrestling thing. And he says, no, 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 it's professional wrestling. So I'm like, no, get out of here. He's like, no, for real. And I'm like, I think even know South Africa had professional wrestling. Yeah. So he organized me two tickets to go watch um, the House of Pain, um, which was quite close to me at that point. And uh, I decided to take my partner with, and we went and we had to go watch. What was your What was the experience like for you? Being, uh, I'm assuming this is obviously the first time you're seeing this live, uh, as opposed to on TV. And, and I think whenever I've I've spoken to people, it's completely different seeing it live than than watching it on TV. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, um, the WWF sets us up for for fireworks and lights and smoke and you know all this kind of thing, and these guys just didn't have that. Um, yeah. Which, you know, obviously, already there, you know, the crowd comes in on the back foot and they're expecting all of this, um, not realizing that it's two different products. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was busy watching it and like halfway through, you know, uh, we were like ready to leave. Um, and then I <laughs> the thing that, that actually hooked me was um, the, the one fight, uh, the, the great stunner, um, Hannes van Sale came out. And uh, at that point, Something just told me that you know this is something that I need to do. Um, point being is that myself and uh, uh, the stunner, you know, we went to school together, and it was always that uh, professional rivalry, and you know, we just never really saw eye to eye. And you know, I said to myself, man, if this guy's doing it, I'm definitely going to give this a try. So yeah, I guess I guess I owe him um, rest in peace. You know, he was a great wrestler, and uh, yeah, 
just wish uh, I just wish we did see eye to eye, but it's one of those things, I guess. Did you ever have the opportunity to share the ring with him? I did, yes, um, a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, a few times I did to him and, and, and that timeline uh, of wrestling. Um, you know, it was, it was a different locker room back then. It was sold with it was sold with 120 kilogram big burly guys who just didn't really give a crap about anything other than going out there and just maiming. You know, it was it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't like uh, what it would be considered today. Where, um, the guys are doing high flying moves and you know, they're jumping off the top rope doing 450 splashes and things like that. It was a completely different set of fish. Um, you know, the guys back then were big, 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 strong guys. You know, guys that just you wouldn't want to mess with inside or outside of the ring. And here comes this, this 65 kilogram little English guy, you know, and <laughs> it was just something that, that the guys just didn't understand in the locker room. So obviously, I think you know, right off the bat, I might have stepped on a couple of toes uh, just, mm-hmm. just with the presence of, of being in the locker room, the smallest guy around. But uh, like I said, you know, it, it was what it was, you know, take it all. So after the the, the first uh, House of Pain event that you went to, how how do you get into the business from there? Well, Sean came around to the shop again, and you know, he asked me what I thought of it, and you know, I said to him, "Look, it wasn't bad, you know, but I'd I'd like to give it a try." He said to me, "Cool. Uh, they train those days. They train Mondays and Wednesdays." Um, uh, he tells me, "Come around, but make sure you have a big meal before you come around. Make sure you're nice and full." You know, you got a lot of energy going, and you know. So I was like, "Cool, you know, I take any advice I can." At that point, yeah. So I had a big, big meal. You know, I get to the training, and they start rolling around, and I think I did about two rolls uh, that that night. And you know, that was just me. And I went to him. I was like, "Did you say I need to have a big meal?" And he was laughing his ass off, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, good one, buddy." I mean, I was sick, man. I was, I was so sick. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> so that was your first rib in the business. Um, looking back, were there any other ribs that, that you've been a part of, either receiving or uh, on the giving side? Receiving, yeah, I've got a few, but um, like on the giving, I think we'd have a, we'd have to do another whole podcast just for the giving. <laughs> because, you know, if there's, if there's anything going down, I'm always a part of it. I, I just have to be a part of it. If there's any trouble going down, man, I, I love I love having a good laugh. And I know the guys know it as well. You know, if there's if there's anything naughty that's happening or something missing, you know. Like uh, make up straight to JP. It's all in JP. <laughs> so, so would you say you're the Owen Hart of AWA? Yeah, <laughs> I think that. You know, I, I've got one fun memory of us back on ETV where myself yeah. and Ultimate Wolf, uh, we actually took one of Missing Link's boots and we hid it away, and um, we completely forgot about it. And <laughs> we had Showtime. I think Showtime was about half past five. Call, call up was about half past five. Yeah. We needed to be at the arena. Uh, which was about a 15-minute uh, taxi ride from from the hotel where we were staying, and we all went there. And you know, we were busy dressing and getting ready for the show. And you know, the the, the ETV crew was running around and doing the thing. And Missy Link burst into the locker room and he starts shouting at us. And he said, "Why don't you guys take one of my boots?" And Alex uh, Ultimate Wolf looked at me and he went white. And I looked at him as like, you know what you've just done? You've just signed your death warrant. And look, obviously we got dealt with um, in the locker room and outside of the locker room. But uh, I think that was one of my fondest memories, just just for the sheer fact of that, that fear and that, that that feeling of you know you you're in so much trouble right now. It's very funny. 
Yeah, you selected the wrong guy. Yeah, and he was one of the, the, the main guys. I mean, he yeah. was a top, a top uh, talent at that point. So, you know, <laughs> it wasn't the smartest move ever. <laughs> to go back to, to, to the training, uh, what was your memory, obviously with the exception of the, the meal, but just of the training? Um, and I'm assuming Sean is the guy that trains you at that stage? Yeah, Sean was basically uh, the main the main guy handling the training at that point. Um, we he would be training in the ring with some of the senior guys, and all the guys that, that didn't break into ring work yet would be uh, training on the floor, doing roles and things like that. So, um, you know, to get into the ring in those days was uh, was an honor, and something that you know you worked hard to get to. Um, otherwise, it was just mainly groundwork on, on, on the outside of the mat. So, yeah. It was, it was very difficult. Um, I never imagined that I'd be able to do something physical like that. I mean, I used to do like, modeling for a magazine. I weighed like 65 kilograms when I started this thing. Um, so, you know, like, it was, it was extremely difficult. And there was a few guys that I think tried to work me out. Uh, you know, they, they didn't want me around. And uh, I think they, they upped the intensity when it came to like the body slams, things like that. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I used to go to the bathroom at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I used to be like blood and stuff. And I'd be like, man, what am I doing? And the next day, I'd just be like, well, I've got to suck it up and just keep going. Because, you know, I hate quitting. I hate, I'm a very bad loser. So, yeah. you know, I've got to do something and I've got to see it through. <laughs> it's just one of those things. But yeah, yeah. So how long do you train before you have your first match? I was I was relatively quick. I, I was actually surprised um, the way I, I actually broke into it. Uh, I picked it pretty quickly. I started I started out with one of my friends, and, and he picked it much quicker than I did. Um, but like when it came to like the ring work, that's where that's why I just I just went up again. Um, he unfortunately broke a rib doing uh, hitting the ropes. Uh, but like you know, that's hitting the ropes was one of the things that I, I loved. Maybe it's because I was shorter than him, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think it took me it took me close to about eight months of of, of really uh, hard work, and then uh, I think I got an opportunity to be in a six man tag, and, and that was that was at Greenpoint Stadium, uh, Voice of the Cape. That was around two thousand and two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was it was way back. Yeah, I'd say it's around about that time. So then, fast forward a little bit, a year or two forward. Um, and then the whole um, the ETV deal comes along. Talk to me about the deal and how it was sort of conveyed to to the guys in the locker room. Well, well, they they put us all together. We had a we had a big meeting, and there were some guys that I'd never seen before in in this meeting. So you know, I thought to myself, "Wow, this is going to be pretty big." Um, I remember sitting there and and saw that all the guys from Joburg and Durban and whatever the case was. Um, obviously, everyone that was willing to work with us, because, you know, the politics and, and whatever the case was at that point in time, uh, was even pretty prevalent thing, I mean, yeah. compared to what it is now. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's always been in the business. Um, mm-hmm. And sure made the announcement that ETV was, was on board and was going to do shows and whatever the case was, and it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, so I went in afterwards, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is so this is amazing. And he said to myself and Alex, unfortunately, we weren't going to be on the show, um, on the ETV program, because we were still a bit too, too new in the business. We were still a bit too green. Um, and at that point, myself and Ultima Wolf, uh, we, we sat down and we decided that we would be training, um, I think we had about three months to go before they were going to make the final cut. 
Uh, we trained literally every single day, Monday to Sunday, um, in that ring. We were just beating the hell out of each other uh, every single day. We were just training our butts off um, to get an opportunity, any any opportunity to be to be involved with the EDV deal. So, so how how does it come about then that you got that you'll make it to the show? Because obviously, for me, that's one of the the first places that I really recognize you personally is is watching you on that show. Yeah, so. so <laughs> So I think it was about two, three weeks before the final cut, and then Sean came to us and he said, look, you guys have got an opportunity to be on ETV, because uh, a few guys pulled out at that point. Um, like I said, you know, with the politics and you know, uh, the promoters and stuff, not everyone saw eye-to-eye. Yeah. And today, nobody really sees eye-to-eye. Um, and he said to us, look, he's going to give us an opportunity, but we are going to be thrown up a bit earlier to, to set up the ring, and we have to make the ring, and you know, we're going to be responsible for the ring, and... <laughs> I said to Sean, look, man, I clean toilets if it means being on this, this deal. Yeah. This is how we got our opportunity. We, we, we had to break the ring, and you know, everyone went out partying afterwards, and we were left 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, breaking the ring down, and it was just something that we did, and we did it with a smile on our face. So one of the, the, the highlights from, from the series, obviously, would be uh, for you becoming the Cruiserweight Champion. Talk to me about that, um, the match and, and, and the build-up to it and, and sort of how you were told about you uh, being the first Cruiserweight champion there. Sun City live primetime show. It was, was a major deal. Um, there was so much pressure on everybody involved from, from the wrestlers to, to Sean, to EDV management, to the guys behind the camera, to, to everything. It was, it was live. It was on prime time. I mean, this was a big, big deal for anything happening, uh, regardless of wrestling or whatever the case was. I mean, uh, it was a major, major deal. Um, so the pressure and the nerves around the whole camp was it was amazing. Uh, the buzz it was just, you know, everybody just knew that, you know, you had to bring your game. You had to bring your A game that night. Um, and I remember standing behind the curtain before going out, and, and I think there was about 20, 25 cruiserweights all lined up. And, and, you know, not a lot of guys were talking because a lot of guys were extremely nervous. Um, and the ETV guys were giving us the rundown and, on the fireworks and where to stand and where not to stand. And, you know, they had concussion grenades. And there were some big, there were some big explosions happening. So um, I was more worried about the explosions than anything else because, you know, I don't want to my hands on or something. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was not nervous. I was I was ready for this man. I was born to do this. You know, standing down that locker room, you know, behind that curtain, I, I, I was just standing and thinking to myself, "This is exactly why I was born." Yeah. It just felt so right at that moment. I, I can't explain it to you. You know, this is but, um, yeah, this is the so match funny to me. This is yeah? so funny to me. We had this ex- this conversation at the Grand Arena just before your matchup with with Wes Briscoe. I, I asked you. If you, how if you were nervous and you basically almost verbatim said what you just said to me? Yeah, um, like I said, you know, when, when I walked out of the curtain, you know, it's like there's nothing else that matters except doing what I need to do. And my, I, I, like I said, I can't explain it to you. I can't, yeah. I can't describe it, the, the, the feeling, but it just feels feels that that is why I was created yeah. at that point in time is to walk out that curtain and just do what I need to do. So, so talk to me about the match. You say there's t- about 25 cruiserweights in there. Um, who, who are some of the names that you remember from being in, in that battle royal? Wow, um, it was Archangel. Obviously, he was uh, he was uh, uh, second last with me. Uh, we had guys like Dutonga, Ultima Wolf, uh, Exhale, 
uh, Mac Hendrick, a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, Havelock. Um, so I don't want to. I don't want to uh, uh, disappoint anybody here, but there was there was a lot of guys. Yeah. There was it was mayhem in that ring. Definitely. It was complete chaos. With, you know, people were just kicking and punching. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Talk to me about that moment when the match ends and 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 you're the the cruiserweight champion. What's going through your mind at that stage? Well, one thing that I always cherish about that match, and it's something that I, I will never forget, is that as a as I hooked him up to do my finishing move, people had already started jumping up and cheering. Um, th- that is just something that you know I worked so hard for people to understand that the move that I did to finish off a match was was personal to me. And the minute that I hooked him in for that, uh, people really started going crazy. Um, and uh, after the three count, I, I, I don't know, it was just so surreal. It was like, uh, I, I, it was just like waking up from a dream, I guess. You know, and you're like, this is just something that is so amazing. It's such a milestone and an achievement, um, especially for someone like myself. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was crazy. It was, it was just something that I never imagined would happen. You talked about when you joined the locker room, it was the big guy's locker room. So when you win the Cruiserweight Championship, do you realize that you're ushering in a new era for wrestling in South Africa and the smaller guy? I like to think that. Um, you know, especially looking back now, um, in those days it was very dog-eat-dog. Um, no one really worried about anybody. Um, myself and Sean spent a lot of time trying to cultivate um, a family feeling um, of a brotherhood, um, you know, and uh, all credit goes to Sean. Um, you know, we've, we've got a locker room now that's that's been so watertight. You know, we've got some great guys, and um, we, we've, well, I'd like to think I've been a, I played a big part in, in, in trying to get everyone uh, closely knitted. So um, I've always had the belief that you are only, like a federation is only as strong as its, its weakest wrestler. Yeah. Um, so there's no point on, on guys trying to be superstar prima donnas and, and you know shooting down the, the weakest link in the locker room. You've you got to build that guy up if you want to have a strong federation. That's what it's all about. So how many times have you have you held the Cruiserweight Championship? Jeez, like it. Uh, uh, I wouldn't even be able to tell you, man. I've had it so many times. Yeah. Um, I'm going to venture to say maybe... 14 times, 13 times, right about there. I know, I know, like when I first had it, I had a four year run with it, which was crazy, because like I think I only won like four matches in like that four years. Uh, it was so, it was so brilliant. That, that belt was like such a good tool as a heel, mm. because you know, you could just screw someone out of a title match so quickly. Uh, it makes so much sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think I had it about 13 times. I'm not too sure. I, had it, I know that a lot of times. Also, uh, around the time of about 2004, when you're on uh, TV with ETV, you get an opportunity to do another TV show. Tell us a little bit about that and how that came about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sean comes to me after this whole thing blows down and we're back uh, in the world of living in Cape Town. He comes to me and says, listen, ETV uh, approached him and wanted me to do an episode of Madam and Eve. And I was like, no ways, get out of here, I love that show. He's like, yeah, Madam and Eve. <laughs> and uh, it was quite funny because the, the whole episode was, was basically based around me. Uh, where it was called uh, Wrestling with Anger, where the grandmother was overly aggressive and myself, somewhere along the line, I lost my aggression. 
and you go and we see the same psychiatrist, and he gets the tapes mixed up, um, where she becomes even more aggressive, and I become even more passive. And, uh, you know, it eventually culminates, and, you know, we have a standoff, and grandmother grabs me, and she wrestles me on the ground, and, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. just one of those memories that I'll, I'll cherish. It was, it was so amazing just being on set and seeing how everything gets done behind the scenes. It was, it was ridiculous. After going uh, on this show and, and going back to, to, to life in AWA, um, obviously there's a lot of th things that people have said about how the deal ended and, and that this one didn't do this and this one didn't do that. And obviously we're not going to get into the politics side of things, but but was there a sense of, of we got to prove ourselves again after the TV show ends, or was it just business as usual? Look, at that point, um, when we made the announcement to the guys that you know we were done with ETV, uh, a lot of guys pulled out, um, and a lot of guys uh, signed for another company. Uh, I'm not going to say who, because obviously we're not going to get into it. No. But um, a lot of guys jumped ship. Yeah, there <laughs> was basically just like three of us left. And I remember Sean phoned me the next day and he's like, what are we going to do? And I said to him, we are going to rebuild and we are going to get back on top and dominate. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough grind, but uh, we did it. We, we, we worked our butts off. And all credit goes to Sean, man. He kept the ship and he, he, pulled the, he pulled the reins and steered the wheel. And, you know, all credit goes to that guy. Man, but, but doesn't that just sort of also speak to... to um, were you, your relationship with Sean today for sticking it out with him through that time? How close were you guys at that stage, or, or was this really uh, the thing that sort of took your relationship with Sean to another level? I, I don't know, really. Look, at that point, um, like myself and Sean were in good terms at that point. Um, you know, I respected him for, mm -hmm. for who he was, and I guess he respected me for for, for trying and doing, putting the hard work in at that point. Um, uh, I'd like to think that maybe the, the fact that uh, I, I stood by him at that, that, that one of the hardest parts of uh, points of AWA history, um, you know, I think that that maybe just got him to sit up and take a bit more notice. Um, but other than that, over the years, myself and him have, have, have grown um, so close. Sean is probably the closest person in my life besides my wife and my children. Um, and, you know, I don't have a lot of people where I would actually say I'd die for, but Sean would definitely be one of those people, man. He, he's just, he, he plays such a big part in my life. Um, he, he's one of the greatest people I've, I've literally ever got to know. Um, and I'm not just saying that. Um, I, I, this is this is me talking from the heart, man. Yeah. I'm being sincere when I say um, he, he's genuinely one of the, 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 the nicest and best people I've actually ever gotten to know. Um, and you know, I, I thank I thank the Lord above that I actually got to meet and, and get to know this guy because uh, he's just been there for me in, in some of the hardest moments of my life, and you know, he helped me get through it. So I owe a lot to Sean. I owe a lot to him. And Sean, one thing about him that that nobody can ever uh, argue about, he is not one to get involved in the, in what we've talked about is or the or what we call the politics of the business. Uh, Sean is the type of guy who keeps his head down, faces forward, and, and just tries to do the best thing for his company. That's that's why I'm there. That's where I come in. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he doesn't get involved, but he's got a little pit bull on a leash that does get involved. So, uh, I, I'm the one that's always 
getting my hands dirty, and I'm the one that's always got my head to the ground, and you know, I'm the one that's always uh, getting the, the gossip, and you know, phoning him and saying, hey, listen, this is happening, and this is going down, and you know, what do you want me to do, what do you want me to say, and how do we handle this, and you know, uh, so, so yeah, he, 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 I, I like that he doesn't get involved, and I prefer it that way, so, you know, uh, um, I, I don't mind getting my hands dirty when it comes to the business, um, uh, I've done it, and I'll keep doing it, and I'll keep fighting for AWA no matter what. Um, so he knows it, and if there's ever any issues, he phones me. He tells me, "Listen, the team has got cut, the team has got nonsense," and then I'm always the one that's uh, that's that's on the forefront. So, and I do it. That I got no worries. I got no worries. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about some of the memorable um, sort of rivalries that you've had in your career, in, in terms of the guys that that, that you sort of worked with. Uh, you sort of touched on Archangel. I just want to talk about him for a second. He was he was my ultimate favorite uh, SA wrestler growing up. Just an, an absolute super baby face. Um, talk to me about your memories of working with a guy like Archangel and how he sort of complimented you as being the ultimate heel. Archangel was one of those guys that, you know, I just, I, I, you know, he, he just commanded so much respect. Uh, in the locker room, um, he was he was so intimidating, and you know, just his sheer presence was was something that you know, you knew he was there. I put it to you that way. Um, and like I said, he commanded so much respect. Um, he was he was one of the legends of of AWF AWA, yeah. um, and to get an opportunity to work with a guy like that, you know, I, you know, I, I really really cherish those moments. Even though he was crowbar, he was one of the stiffest guys I'd ever worked with. Um, he, he, you know, sometimes he would hit me, and I'd have to like stop and think about my career choices. Um, <laughs> he, he hit, he hit like a truck. Uh, you know, he really, really laid it in. Um, but yeah, you know, it made me tough. It, it made me hard. Um, and you know, I, I'm thankful for the blows that I took and the licks that I took at that point, and, and I stuck it out. But um, he was, he, he, he was definitely one of the legends of AWA. Um, such a great guy. Such an honorable guy. Uh, I've got so much respect for that man. William McQueen is another name that, that um, sort of comes up whenever I, um, we, I sort of look you up and, and so forth. Talk to me about William McQueen and, and um, his time uh, working for AWA and, and his time working with you as well. William is one of the, the most genuine people you, you could probably get to know. Um, he's got no qualms. He's got no hidden agendas. He, he's so such a straight shooter. It's, it's not even funny. Um, and you know, unfortunately, you know, you get those guys that, that do kind of just fly under the radar when it comes to like this kind of entertainment business. Um, he was one of those guys that flew under the radar. Um, even though he was such a great wrestler, he, he was really, really technically sound. Um, he actually started, I think, about a year and a half, two years before I did, um, and so. Uh, me being relatively new, I kind of, I kind of latched around him, um, you know, like coming up in the business. So we we got to know each other pretty quickly. Um, he he was one of the great guys. He really a great guy. One of the big honors that that you've had, in, um, with the exception obviously of all your championship wins, uh, was to be ranked in the top 500 for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, for those that don't know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated is a a major uh, wrestling publication. Um, and that sort of focuses on on the world of of wrestling. Talk to me about that honor, and 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 who sort of tells you about this, or how do you find out about this, and, and how you felt to 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 hear that you're on that list. Uh, and I mean, sharing it with guys like the Undertaker. 
Yeah, no, look, Sean phoned me and, and Sean told me, look, we, we made the, the, the Pro Wrestling International Top 500. I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> he, he, he literally just kept quiet. He's like, you need to really call out from under the rock that you're under, you know? He's like, we made... Well, basically, when he broke it all down to me, I couldn't believe um, what he was telling me. Yeah. Uh, I think I was ranked like 450 or something. He was ranked like 320, right about there. Mm-hmm. I remember that in that edition, Undertaker was, was number one. Um, so to have my name in there with like the, the, those kind of guys, man, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It was surreal. Definitely, it's got to be a, a, a big accomplishment for yourself, especially if we think about the fact that at that point in time, uh, wrestling in South Africa wasn't really sort of noticed outside of South Africa. And even inside, we can have a discussion about you know um, how it was viewed back in that time. So really, that's got to be a, a real big feather in your cap. Yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, you know, it was just something that uh, you, know, you, you could put that down on the wrestling TV, um, it's just, it was a major, major accomplishment for a South African wrestler at that point to, to be recognized internationally. Yeah. So, for, for me, I mean, it, it, I was blown away by the honor. Talk to me about, about you um, in the training aspect of, of AWA. Obviously, um, going from being the guy being trained to now being the guy that's training others. Um, who are some of the guys that sort of came up through your training? Um there's been so many. Um, I, I, I'd like to. I'd like to think Dave Finley Jr. from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling was was one of my guys. Um, he, he still messages me today, and he, he still chat now and then. He sends me a message saying thanks, you know, for the for the, the, the effort that you guys put in with me, and you know, he misses us. And uh, we'll see him soon. We've got to be seeing him soon. Um, that's that's a fact. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think I had a hand in, 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 in most of the guys that's, that's been trained and put out there uh, on the AWA uh, scene. So, um, you know, you're looking... Uh, I really don't want to take any credit for, for the work that my guys put in. You know, it's one thing to say that I trained Alexander, whatever the case is, but you know, I just feel that's taking something away from the work that these guys put in. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more. Uh, I like to be called like assisting. I'm assisting them. Um, I'm guiding them. Um, you know, the training part is these guys. They put in their effort. They they taking their own mix. No one's going to take credit for the work they're putting, and that's the way it should be. Who in the locker room right now should fans be paying close attention to? That's that you feel is on the cusp of being that main event star. Currently, I would say. People need to start looking at a guy like uh, Mad Jack Maverick. Um, they would start taking notice of Mike Zander, obviously. Um, those are the two names that, that jump to the fore right, right there, uh, just for the fact that you know these guys have uh, put in the hard work and uh, they are the ones who uh, deserve the push now. Um, so, so definitely the two of them. Then you've got you've got the younger guys that's you know fighting for the the, the, the cruiserweight scene. You know, guys got like the, uh, obviously uh, you've got um, I would say about three of them. Uh, you got GTK, um, Good Time Kid. You got the Ultimate Wolf. Uh, you got Remy Valentino. Um, that's just the name uh, the three that that stand out right off the bat. 
Um, obviously, you've got the Star Wars, like uh, Ed Ledrick, uh, who's also put his hand up lately. Um, had a couple of very good matches uh, yeah. on the Collision Tour. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's really staked the claim for, for, for a title shot. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in, in, in all the right, in, in you know, all the guys that's, that's putting in the hard work, everyone, everyone just wins a title. But unfortunately, it's just the chosen that get, the, that get that shot, yeah. The one thing that that I that I see is is that their level, and I'm and I'm not sure if this is a test to you or and to the training that's being provided or to the guys or, or a combination of both. But the level of in ring work is from when I started watching AWA to today, it's it's unbelievable how far it has come. Um, yeah, I mean I, I can put you those, those matches out there with the best in the world today, honestly. Yeah, I definitely like to. to say I had a hand in that. Um, I'd like to definitely take a claim in, 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 in saying that uh, the turnaround has definitely come thanks to uh, input from my side. Um, yeah, I've been handling the training for, for a while now, and I've given the reins a little bit uh, to Nijak Maverick and Mike Zander, who, uh, who've got a lot of input. Um, and, and, you know, it's one thing for me to say, yeah, uh, the turnaround at AWA is all thanks to me, but uh, Mike Zander and, and Major Maverick have also just put so much work in on the younger guys that um, it's, it's been a collective. Um, it's definitely been a collective. Mad Jack Maverick or Vinny Vegas or, or whatever we're gonna whatever we want to call him, he is just a phenomenal mind for the business. Such a passionate individual, and. Um, I know we've spoken about him before. He's just one of those guys that that, that watches everything out there. It's just a super fan, and it, it sort of translates into to what he does behind the scenes as well. Talk to us about about Wesley or, or Mad Jack Maverick, Vinny Vegas, whatever we want to call him, and his contribution to AWA. Look, he, he's got such an incredible mind. Um, he's got so much knowledge. He's just a well of knowledge when it comes to um, the product in general, uh, the sport in general. Um, you know, I, I wish I had time to, to watch and, and pay close attention to the ongoings of the wrestling outside of South Africa. Yeah. Um, but my hands full just trying to keep up with the wrestling in South Africa. Um, he, he's up to date with, with everything. So, like, when, whenever there's something that's happening, and, uh, you know, he'll come to me and say, listen, uh, did you see this or did you watch this or did you see this guy? And um, I'm like, no, I don't even know who you're talking about. And, uh, we, we've been friends for a very long time and he's always been like my voice of reason um, you know so at the end of the day he, he's a pain in my butt you know I love the guy I respect yeah. the guy and he's just, he's just one of those guys that uh, he, he's he's an amazing an amazing worker and him and myself uh, we, we've got such uh, chemistry when we're in a ring together it's, it's something where we don't even have to think uh, just everything just plays out the way it should um, I put my full trust in, in him, and he does it likewise. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, he, he's, he's a brilliant worker. He's an amazing worker. Somebody that we, we've never really spoken about that really I feel is one of the biggest assets to AWA is your referee. How, how, who, who finds him? How does he get involved? And did you guys know that he would probably be the best referee in, in SA Wrestling? Kenny McQueen is, um, without a doubt, the best referee in South Africa. And I will go out on a limb and I will say that. 
I know there's a few guys that would, would shoot me down for saying it. Cause <laughs> look, there's some great talented referees out there. No, I'm, I'm being serious. There's some great talented referees out there. Um, but when it comes to sheer workability and work ratio, um, and just knowing the game and positioning and psychology behind everything, yeah. uh, Kenny is definitely one of the best referees currently um, in South Africa. He, he, he was training to be a wrestler, um, but I think, uh, you know, we, we gave him the opportunity to be a referee at one of the road shows, and he just, he just grew into the world. And eventually, he just came to me and he said, JP, look, the wrestling is that for me, but I really want to do the wrestling side of things. Mm. And I said, well, sure, that's it, you know, and he just, he just dominated with regards to that. He's become such an asset to us. Um, it's not even funny. No, I completely, 100% agree. He just, if whenever I see him, he he just with his presence sort of gives you that that big match feel, like like you're seeing something important. And and when he's in the ring, the way he communicates um, to the to the superstars and that the fans can understand what's going on in the match, I, I honestly without a doubt, he, he always reminds me of old Earl Hedner from WWF days. You know, he's so <laughs> straight down the middle. Yeah. You know, you just you, you just couldn't get away with anything. You know, he was always seeing everything. He noticed everything. He, he, he's always there. His ring presence is is, is always. Uh, you know, you know there's a referee around. So yeah, definitely, man, definitely. So I wanna I wanna th- throw out a couple of names to you um, of uh, guys in the business, and just wanna get sort of the first thing that comes to mind when I say the names, uh, whether it be of word or phrase, just what what sort of comes to mind. The old psychology game. Uh, the first name has to be Sean Kuhn. Uh, I, I'd, I'd have to have a podcast just to describe how amazing he is in the ring. Um, Sean was one of those guys that I feel should have definitely been on like WLF one, something on a bigger stage, because mm-hmm. his ability uh, as a wrestler was, was you know, second to none. He, without a doubt, one of the best wrestlers SA has ever produced. Um Amazing, just absolutely amazing. Mr. Money. Mr. Money, he, uh, the original good guy, inside and outside of the ring. Can't do any wrong. He, it's, it's irritating. He's such a good guy. He's such a genuine person. It, it actually just irritates me. I love him so much. He, he, he knows it as well. But he irritates me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I, he's just an, an awesome human being. Uh, the the first part of, of where him and I really became good friends was uh, when we used to do the XWE shows, um, and he'd I'd obviously be around rings yeah. before the shows, and he'd always, always, always would come up to me. How are you doing? Are you ready? How, are you nervous? How are you feeling? Um, you know, and that just yeah. to me just spoke so much about his character, something that he didn't have to do. I, I'm you know he didn't owe me a, a thing. Um, yeah, no. just, just that that uh, sportsmanship and, and and good nature of him. Um, he's just an awesome guy. And, Without a and doubt, he's the big baby face of, of SA wrestling. Nobody can get a crowd <laughs> going. Though, though, I, and I, I'm not sure of how much you've seen of him as a heel. He's actually a really good heel as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I realize that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's he's awesome. I, I love him to bits as well. A great human being. Uh, the missing link. You know, you know when when I, I watch these guys currently in South Africa, and I hear everyone say they're the most hardcore wrestler, and you know, no one can stand toe to toe with them. And uh, I've seen them all, and I've watched them all, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, and I'm not just going to say this because he's one of the AWA guys. Missing links 
is without a doubt the most hardcore wrestler you will ever come across. He, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing standing in a, in a ring and, you know, hitting each other with weapons and, you know, just going at it until one guy pins another guy. But for, for what it was, you know, as amazingly brutal as he was, there was always a story involved. It was always, uh, everything made sense. Um, you know, you just were entertained from the minute he comes out to the minute he goes behind the curtain. And everything he did, just, it was just right. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I'd like to see some of the current hardcore guys go against him. Um, just, you know, just so people can understand what hardcore really is. Uh, but yeah, hardcore legends without a doubt. Yeah, he's the, like, even till this day, and me being smartened up to the business and being in the business, he's the one guy that still scares me. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I've got so many stories from him, it's, it's not even funny. So, sort of on the same wavelength as uh, the Missing Link Freak Show. Freak Show. Well, Freak Show, you know, his pain threshold is is on another level. The, the, the beating that this guy can take and get up and keep going, it's, it's you know, you sometimes think to yourself, mm-hmm. what do I have to do to put this guy down? It's, <laughs> it's incredible. He's got such, he's got such a pain barrier. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And someone that sort of lives into that character as well, from from the moment where he jumps and sort of, uh, I don't know what that bump would be called, <laughs> for sort of, I'll just say sits down in the ring <laughs> from a jumping position, yeah. um, to, to the way that he, he sort of rocks back and forth, he really is one of those guys that really portrays the gimmick that, he, that he's or got out there really, really well. One of the, the highlights of AWA recently has been the relationship that it's garnered with TSW. Um, I sort of spoke to Mike about um, the relationship with TSW when they, we did our podcast. Um, obviously, I think you're a little bit more in the front line of AWA. Talk to me about um, how this relationship sort of came about and, and uh, how that gets uh, told to you and the, and the boys, um, basically, that you know these big things that were coming up for you guys. We had a meeting with um, the owner of TSW, which was AJ, and he came down and he sat and met us all. Um, and apparently, Sean knew his dad from the old TSW days, Top Star Wrestling days, and he wanted to restart the business and you know, create an empire and leave it for his children. Um, that's basically the story from his side. And uh, yeah, I think. You know, when he came, when he came to sit and talk to us, and the goals that he has is, is, is basically the same goals that, that we have at AWA. Yeah. Um, it was just something where everything just worked. Um, our first major uh, production was the Hustle Pain on Fight TV. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, that, that was our first one, uh, before the collision tour. Yeah. Obviously, Fight TV, seen internationally, um, around the world, people can can um, log in and and they can check it out. And obviously, we know um, this is also a company in which Jim Ross has a, a, a shareholding in it as well. So it just speaks to, to the to the magnitude of something like Fight TV. Um, what was it for you guys like? Uh, and was there pressure um, on the guys uh, to to really put on their A games for this? Yeah, look, without a doubt, the locker room was was quiet. Those boys were nervous 
Um, you must remember, I was the only guy that, that really experienced TV at that point that was left um, over in the locker room. Yeah. None of the other guys had ever experienced something like this. But um, luckily, luckily, uh, you know, I calmed, I calmed the locker room down. I, I got the boys' heads right, um, pulled them all together, and you know, the guys knocked it out the park. Everyone that went out that night, you know, they just they just performed on, on, on all the A games. Um, it was it was all the matches that, that we put out that night was, was something different. It was on another level, and yeah. uh, I'm still I'm still extremely proud of, of my guys. Uh, I'm you know I, I still beam about it when I think about that night. Fourth uh, of July, man, that was that was amazing night. Fireworks were definitely going off there, and then obviously <laughs> um, two two really big venues, and certainly if I, I think if if you're an entertainer or a sports person or anything to be able to perform in uh, Grand Arena and at Carnival City, that's just gotta be the ultimate dream. Yeah, look when 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 TSW uh, and AWA put this product together, um, I was so excited because I've been doing this for so many years and I never really got a taste of any international uh, talent. Um, and you know when it was made known to me that I'd be wrestling um, Rick Briscoe, uh, who's who's such a phenomenal talent, he's such a great guy, um, and and for me to have the opportunity to wrestle and and beat, I'm going to say this, and beat. Someone that uh, that pins that pin Kurt Angle, you know, it's just something that you know to me was such an honor to even step into yeah. the same ring with someone like that. Uh, besides, besides who, who won and who lost, um, it was just such an honor to 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 be with somebody in a ring like that and to learn uh, as much as I did. I I, I hung on every single word that him and Michael Tarver was talking. Um, I listened and you know I picked up so much. So much from those guys is not even funny within that short space of time. But uh, that's what we wanted to do. That was the goal that we we wanted to achieve. We, you know, AWATSW. We wanna we wanna promote and we wanna push the South African talent. Um, you know, so if we're getting international guys down, it's, we're not gonna be promoting or pushing international guys because honestly, that's the point of that. Yeah. Uh, we wanna get the, the South African the, the South African talent is what we want to get known. We want to get the guys out there. We want, to, we want people to stand up and take notice of what South Africa can do and what South Africa has. So, um, you know, the, the first round, the, the collision tour was basically a first round for us just to test the waters. Um, and, uh, you know, we got, a, we got a good feel for, for the international scene at that point. So there's definitely some big things happening um, when, when all of this, uh, this, this virus blows, blows away. God willing, when everyone comes out unscathed from it. So. You've, you've been really vocal and, and sort of passionate about the state of wrestling in South Africa. In, in your opinion, where is the wrestling in South Africa at the moment? Um, and, and what does it need and not need right now? The problem I always had with South African wrestling is that, um, you know, because we all get painted with the same brush at the end of the day. You know, no one will ever go to a show, no one will ever see a product from a federation of South Africa and say, that is separate to another federation in South Africa. People will watch people will watch a product and they will paint the rest of the South African federations with the same brush. So the biggest problem I had with South African wrestling, and I've been saying it for basically almost my whole career, is that these guys, these promoters out there that push uh, talent uh, a bit too soon, guys that don't 
deserve, um, well, not deserve, um, guys that shouldn't be working. Um, they're they doing single matches yeah. where they should still be training. So, you know, the, 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 the level of the product that you're putting out is, is, is very poor. And unfortunately, you know, guys that work their butts off and who do deserve to be doing singles, they get painted to the same brush as, as uh, you know, that, that poor quality product that gets placed. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, I think that was the that is one of the biggest problems we have in South Africa. Um, if you know, if we just took a little bit extra, a couple of extra months here and there with a few guys, um, I think it would have made a world of difference. But that's just that's just you know that's just me spitballing. Uh, you know, yeah. we we do things differently in Cape Town, I guess. I don't know. So um, <laughs> what 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 I am proud of and what I do like is. Um, well, we, we are delving into international waters. Um, you know, the, the internationals that came down for, for the tradition tour, they were so shocked at the level of wrestling that we, we, we were doing there. Um, Bosco himself told me that he couldn't believe the talent that we've got in the locker room. Um, so he'll go to America and he'll talk to people and he'll say, you know, that those guys in Africa, they, they, they're more than just pretty decent. They're pretty good. Um, so... Already, uh, we've got the talent. We, we can do, you know, we can stand toe-to-toe with these international guys. We've done it. We, we, we can do it. Um, and that is what I'm really, really excited about because there's some big things that's going to be happening in the near future. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about uh, what Flam Force is doing as well. Uh, you know, they're also bringing internationals. You know, they, they're mixing it up with the South African guys. Um, it's great. I think it's great for the business. Um, just you know, I just hope everyone's doing it for the right reasons. I hope everyone's uh, doing it to to grow the business and to try and help the South African boys. Because uh, the South African guys, you know, we we need as much help as we can get. No, absolutely, completely agree with with everything um, that you said there. Uh, who are the guys outside of AWA that you're looking at, um, perhaps bringing into AWA? Uh, for for a big event or something, uh, who are the guys you're watching at the moment? I'm watching everybody, man. Um, you know, I, I always go to Sean and say, "Listen, we need to look at this guy, we need to look at that guy." And uh, he, he'd say, "You think so?" I'd be like, "Yeah, I think it could definitely work." Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's always going to be the front of stations. You know, they're always on top of the list. Uh, Devin and his dad, and you know, they they're just on another level. I got so much love and respect for those guys. Um, it's you know those those guys are they are South African wrestling. Um, you got Steve Eden, you got a Nancy who's you know they they legends. You know you talk about legends and stuff. Those guys are legends. Um, yeah, I talk a lot to uh, Don Loudmouth. We can chat a lot. He's a great guy, big guy. And you know we need we need as many big guys as we can get in this industry. So um, we definitely look at, uh, at at guys like that and. Uh, Alessandro, Matthew Hammer, there's always those names that's, that's popping up. Um, but, you know, they might have been signed uh, to a different Fed. Uh, so we don't we don't really want to delve into politics and get involved with that. So yeah. uh, at the end of the day, whoever's uh, available, we'll definitely look at. Uh, we we want to try and bring um, as many South African wrestlers from different federations together as possible. We've done that now on the Collision Tour. No one would have ever seen uh, Steve Eden and Anandji share a locker room, but they did it for, for the sport. And I take my answer to both of them. I have yeah. so much respect for those two guys uh, for, for putting aside differences and, and, and going up there and, and doing what they do. So, so yeah, um, you know, we need to grow the business, and that's what we want to do. 
Um, such a, a big fan of, of uh, both of those guys. I have the opportunity to uh, share the locker room with them as well. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to stay with Steve Eden for about two and a half weeks when we um, did a, a TV recording um, at the Rand Easter show. And then um, yeah. Anansi is somebody that – Anansi, I kind of um, – there was there was politics between us, but I didn't – but um, we didn't really know it because, again, you know how it goes behind the scenes. And, and when we first worked together, he yeah. was like, there's politics between us? We've got heat? Who knew? And and since that day, we've become super close um, to the point where when he saw me in the crowd at the, the collision tour – he just had this shocked look in his face, and, and he gave um, Kenny his shirt to, to give to me. Uh, so, yeah, no, he's, a, he's just a great guy and, and a great story as well about how life and this business can sort of chew you up uh, and spit you out and just how you can overcome that as well. Um, for those of you who didn't, uh, you should definitely listen to his podcast. He was quite open about his addictions and things like that and how he's turned his life around as well. Uh, Johnny... Where where does it go from here for for AWA? You sort of hinted that there's big things coming. Is there anything that you can divulge at this point in time? Nothing I can uh, let out the bag at this point. Um, but uh, you would be the first to know, um, and maybe we can do like another podcast and we can do like a preview of whatever's happening. But um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some big things happening. We've, we've got a few things that's that's uh, already in place. Um, so yeah, we're just waiting for everything to to come back to normal. Um, yeah. No, look, dude. Anytime, anytime. I am. Um, you've got my number. I would. You know, we'll definitely um, be able to to, to hook up and, and get another podcast or two done and, and uh, talk about whatever is going down. Speaking of of um, hooking up, where can people hook up with Johnny Palacio on social media online? Um, Facebook is uh, at Johnny Palacio, and uh, my Instagram handles uh, Johnny Palacio. Awesome. Johnny, thank you so much for, for again taking time to be here. Um, I, I said it to you yesterday when, when we spoke about this. This is sort of like Eric Bischoff um, interviewing Vince McMahon. Um, you know, there, was, there, was, there was definitely a, a, a part where, where we had a professional rivalry, um, both uh, sort of wanting to, to make our brands, um, the top brands in Cape Town and um, you know, and but there's always been, I think, a mutual respect for for what each other does, and I think definitely you're one of the best to, to lace up a pair of boots. Thank you so much for that compliment, and I'm really glad you decided to do what you're doing now. Um, I think we need it. Um, I think we we need a platform where guys can voice, uh, you know, they say and 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 just it's brilliant. Uh, I, I'm so glad you decided to do this, man. Um, and, you know, you've got, you got my support, you've got the support of AWA, so uh, whatever you need, whenever you need it, we, we're there, man. Thank you so much for that, and definitely, um, wherever I can repay the favor for you guys, definitely. Perfect. That's awesome, man. Johnny, thank you so much again for your time, and, and man, I, as I said, we'll, we'll do this more often, and, and we gotta get we got to get the big guy on here, the, the, the man himself, the, the lion. <laughs> We do, eh? Uh, without a doubt. I'll, I'll have a chat in and see what we can hook up. Um, uh, I think that'll be a, a, a very interesting podcast. Um, also, maybe uh, try and get uh, AJ from TXW involved. Yeah, um, he's brain as to what, what he's thinking. So, so yeah. Um, you should actually also try and get hold of uh, one of AWA's uh, other big assets, which is uh, Christopher Human. 
Uh, he's always got something to say. You uh, can probably do five or six podcasts with what he has to say. <laughs> it's so crazy because this, this, just this morning he was sending me um, a message on through Instagram. Um, so I, I first I get this thing. Uh, you know, he's trying. Uh, the, you, know, you get that thing on, on uh, Instagram. Someone's trying to send you a message, and it was just basically him just trying to to, to say how awesome the podcast has been. And then we just got talking about, and I said to him, dude, I'm such a big fan of what you do. And his reply to me was, yeah, you're one of the, the only five. I was like, no way. Um, but what he was obviously meaning is him being the heel manager, you know, not obviously well liked. Um, and then we just started talking yeah. about a couple of stories about the collision tour with him and, and uh, Mike being one of the few people that the people didn't want to meet post show because they were just these awesome hills and stuff. And no, he's, I think he's phenomenal. You know who I compare him to, um, is Harvey Wimpleman. The first time I saw him, I was like, <laughs> I, 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 I looked to, to, to the former XWE general manager who was sitting next to him. I was like, who is this guy? He's like Harvey Wimpleman. And he's, oh, he's awesome. He's a great mouthpiece. And, and it just, he's just a great actor. He's got that comedic acting, uh, like a Charlie Chaplin kind of acting. Yeah, look, he's, he's, he's an asset to us um, inside and outside of the ring. Um, he does all the uh, bum wiping when it comes to uh, whatever we need to type. And uh, if we got if we got to approach sponsors and things, he's the guy that's, that's wording it and checking the spelling because uh, you can imagine what what, uh, what, a, what, a, what an email would look like coming from a bunch of wrestlers. Um, so, so he's always the guy that's, that's wiping bums with regards to grammar and uh, putting together proposals and things like that. Uh, he is, uh, you know, I've got so much respect for Chris. Yeah, he knows it as well. Um, he's, he's an asset to AWS and I'd love, I'd love to hear a podcast from him. Um, it's just, that is, that would be so, uh, uh, interesting. Interesting would be the word to use. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, that, that's definitely going to happen. There's, there's no two ways about it. Um, I can't imagine not having him on the podcast. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much again for your time, man. I, uh, I can't wait to, to see what the future holds once uh, this um, circumstances uh, sort of uh, is over and we can go out there again. Um, and, and yeah, just continued success to you guys. Thanks so much, man. Like I said, you know, I'll get hold of you and then I'll let you know exactly what's happening and we can just maybe put out a podcast with a preview of, of what's coming up for, for future AWA shows and who's coming down from overseas and whatever the case is. Go well, my friend. Thanks so much, brother. Take it easy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for another edition of Paul's Podcast. My thanks to Johnny Palazzo for joining me this week on the show. Just an absolute awesome human being. Uh, like we said in the podcast, we didn't always see eye to eye, but you know what? Um, I think that's what made our story so awesome is the fact that we've been able to overcome that. And uh, really, I think we're, we're good friends right now. At least I believe that. I don't know. Maybe... I've made his friendship list yet. Who knows? But man, um, having his support and, and just the support of the AWA guys and things, um, really looking forward to that. And I hope that they can work with us uh, at Rockstar Wrestling. Of course, that's where I'm uh, 
uh, signed to, even though I do have that through Rockstar Wrestling the opportunity to um, lend my voice to other promotions as well. Um, yeah, I just look forward to seeing what partnerships can come from this. I mean, that's what this thing is about. Let's grow wrestling in SA, man. Um, so, yeah, again, thanks to Johnny for being here. We'll uh, look forward to seeing who will be joining us on the podcast next week. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to try to knock out as many as we can during this lockdown period. We'll, we'll obviously, once things sort of ease down, we'll, we'll see where we are at on the podcast. And, and we might readjust the system. We will uh, have to wait and see what goes down there. No uh, uh, promises as of yet, you know, as to what's going to go down there. But, I mean... Yeah, it's just, I'm having a blast doing these interviews with these guys, and, and they've been more than happy to to uh, share their stories and, and get their voices out there as well. It gives them something to do as well and, and to give back to their fans who have given so much to them uh, throughout their careers. So, yeah, the lockdown continues, as I've said before. So, please, guys, stay safe in this time. Remember that our tomorrows are not guaranteed. So, please, uh, really make sure that we make the most of our todays as much as we can uh, even if it is in our own homes. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see you next week for another edition of Paul's Podcast. Go well, everybody, till we see you again right back here for another exciting episode.